Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Wolves Weekly, sponsored by MyDieselClaim.com. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows, and welcome to a very special episode of Wolves Weekly. Now, football is often about stories, and they can be the story of late turnarounds in games on a Saturday lunchtime at Molyneux, a heavingly packed Molyneux, vibrant and electric with noise that sees Wolves beat a previously high-flying team from London. Or they can be stories that are lesser known, that maybe delve deeper back into history, that have been oft forgotten and at times can be reborn. And that is what we've seen in the last couple of months and especially over the weekend just gone as the story of LA Wolves was put to the forefront with its premiere on television and on streaming services and available on the Wolves YouTube channel as well. It's a remarkable story that deserves its place and opportunity to be told to the masses. It should be explained that the United Soccer Association gave North America its first taste of internationally recognized professional soccer in 1967. Wolves in the 50s were um, very, very successful. It was the golden era, if you like. It was us and Manchester United. They were the glamour team. We were the scruffs from the black country. The 1966 World Cup was carried by satellite into the United States, so a bunch of sportsmen thought, oh, great, next great sport, start a league. I mean, I'd never been out of England, I'd even been to Wales. They said they were touring like a rock band, zigzagging across the country. Just a completely different world. People were saying, you want some weed? Then we thought, we're in trouble here. Free love, flower power, what more do you want? And the Whips and the Wolves met in a championship playoff game at Los Angeles' Memorial Coliseum to climax the United Soccer Association's inaugural season. It was madness. Just the game never seemed to stop. He did the needle ball. We're just getting each other. 
Now, the match they played has been rated by many observers as the greatest soccer game ever seen anywhere. And we're convinced that you will agree with that conclusion after viewing this film. There is that legacy in that they proved that it could work. People will look back and say, what was the history of soccer in this country? And what they do, they have to land in 1967 and say, this is where it all began. It's a remarkable film that will surely stand the test of time. And we thought we'd dedicate this week's Wolves Weekly to LA Wolves and the story actually about how the documentary itself came about. And to do that, I have to hand over to my American friend who played a huge part himself in this whole story, Lawrence Scott. It's a story that's truly dreamlike. The story of Los Angeles Wolves, the first professional soccer champions crowned in the United States, a squad imported to America in 1967 direct from Wolverhampton. The idea of professional soccer in the United States, no one had ever really thought about that. Not at that level. You know, the U.S. didn't qualify for World Cup between 1950 and 1990. So soccer was dead, and then the Wolves come along. The story is remarkable in so many ways. Two American professional sports team owners, Jack Kent Cooke and Lamar Hunt, notable for their ties to the NFL, the NBA, and the business world in North America, watched the 1966 World Cup and wondered, why isn't there a professional league in America? This, of course, was well before the North American Soccer League and Pele with the New York Cosmos and decades before the birth of Major League Soccer in America. In their race to be first to market with other entries in the works, there was no real time for a player draft out of American college soccer programs in order to begin play in the summer of 67. So teams were imported, arriving from England, Scotland, plus various parts of Europe and South America. The clubs descended upon the U.S. that summer for what was one part a goodwill tour of exploration while sharing the sport to new audiences. After eight weeks of carnage, the final was just around the corner. And an equal part thrilling tournament that produced such a memorable final that to this day, it's considered the greatest final that the sport has staged on U.S. soil. There isn't a writer in Hollywood, there never has been one, who could have written a script for the game tonight. Flash forward to May of 2022. We were taping season one of our show WV1, and on that day we were working on episode 12 of the series for Wolves Radio, as the club was hosting legends visiting the training facility and being in the presence of some of the folks who had been part of this American experience in 1967, made it time to dive right into the story. WV1 bringing us to Compton and a thrilling opportunity to tie a story together that I've been following for many, many, many years, and now it's really coming home here. Phil Parks joining me to talk about the time when Wolverhampton won the very first professional sports title in soccer in the United States of America. Wolves went to Los Angeles. You were part of this squad, and in that time period, first of all, how did you find out you were heading to L.A. And, and what a great place to end up being and what great success in that first season? Well, just before the end of the season, Ronnie Allen, who was the manager, had a, we had a team meeting and he, he said who wanted to go. And most of the lads we'd never been to America before said, oh, yeah, we'd love to go. 
and we, we, we went and it, we, was, we was away for nine weeks because we, we got to the final and we had a fantastic time. I hadn't been out of England before, I hadn't been to Wales. My first trip out of England was to Los Angeles. So I remember seeing footage that I had to hunt down because this was such a special story. I wanted to like prove to myself even that this footage existed and it was Chick Hearn a great American sportscaster, longtime Los Angeles Lakers announcer, calling that final game on television in Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Wolves, who actually were the Wolverhampton Wolves of England, captured the Western Division title. And the Whips and the Wolves met in a championship playoff game at Los Angeles' Memorial Coliseum to climax the United Soccer Association's inaugural season. The record of this really is a very special note to a time period where you guys really helped soccer grow in the United States. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we played our own stadium with the Los Angeles Coliseum, which I think holds about 100,000. And I think the, the first game we had about 8,000, and then for the final we got nearly 20,000, which was unreal to be fair, like, you know what I mean? When you get to Los Angeles and you start seeing the scene in the late 60s in Los Angeles, what do you bring back to your memory as like, okay, that's pretty darn cool? It was, to be fair, I'm a, I was born in West Brom. It, it, it's a completely different world to West Brom, you know. The, the, the sun shines every day. It was flower powered at the time, hippies and everything. Like, and we, we had a fantastic time. They looked after us fantastic. So Jack Kent Cook, who owned the Lakers, was part of this league and you know around must have been legendary figures in the world of sports and the entertainment industry yeah but uh jack jack Kencook was the owner of the the, the, the wolves at los, los angeles wolves and he he had a party at his house and he, he he invited us to this house in the beverly hills i mean it was something else to be fair and we met Will Chamberlain who at the time was probably the best greatest basketball player ever like a hundred points in a game in Hershey Pennsylvania the most points ever by a player in an NBA game and his legacy certainly huge and his generosity also something that folks you know hear about in stories from you know, time to time, and a legendary figure for sure. When you saw Wilt, good seven feet tall, you, did you just look up and go like, "Wow"? Well, I was six foot four, and you know, you to stand up and look at look up at somebody, not you know. But he was he was he was a great guy. He'd never seen soccer before. He came over. He wanted to know what it was all about. And I think I think you find that most sportsmen are like that anyway. One last question about this time period in Los Angeles and bringing this title home. When you think of the folks that you were with and the camaraderie that was built, why are those kind of things important to get out of your element and have that camaraderie? Well, I, you know, I think it's just great from our point of view just to travel to, di travel to different places and meet different people. And, you know, we've, we've done that quite a few times, well, quite a lot of times to be fair. And, uh, you know, we had, we, we had a wonder. The American people looked after us fantastic. We were there for July the 4th, Independence Day. They took us to the beach and we had a fantastic time. You know, I still speak to people in America now like. Phil, thank you so very much for joining us. That's a tremendous, tremendous story. You're welcome. The spectacular match you've just watched is indicative of the type of soccer you'll see played in the United Soccer Association.
The film's executive producers, Russell Jones, Max Fitzgerald, and Yanni Macarunas, who are part of a full team of folks who make Wolves such a remarkable club, immediately recognized the impact of this story. At the time, we were fully engaged in our Golden Chance program, which gave two American college players the chance to train with Wolves under-21s on a tour of the U.S. in Salt Lake City in the summer before the 22-23 campaign. So in developing the story for the film following the events in 1967, everyone was very focused on the cultural impact during this time period where the first instance of Wolves players decades earlier had a similar American journey. And you think of Los Angeles and the late 1960s, from the music clubs to the Coliseum, change was in the air, new ideas were taking flight, the styles and sounds emanating from the Sunset Strip and into the Hollywood Hills, a true mix of the British invasion giving way to the psychedelic California culture of the time. During the filming in Los Angeles, we made our way to the epicenter of it all and sat for a conversation with Owen Blackhurst, the film's director. I think it's a story that Firstly, it hasn't been told, and it hasn't been told properly, which is always important. But secondly, because it's such a good one, you've got the these guys, they've played a full season in, in, in England and the other teams in Scotland and Ireland and Brazil and wherever else in there. Some of, these, some of these kids had never left their homes before, right? And they were growing up in fairly industrial places. And yeah, they had good lives because they were professional footballers. But to be transported from 60s Wolverhampton to 60s LA, must have been mind-blowing and then to be places like Sunset where they'd have only heard about this on TV or seen it in the movies and then to bump into Jimi Hendrix outside a club it must have been now stuff like that is commonplace and you see celebrities all the time and you might take a picture of these people then it must have been like going to the moon and and that feeling of discovery for just fairly normal guys then you know the disparity between footballers and the and the fans who watched them wasn't as big I just think it's there's so much there's so much good to tell, and it gave people such an amazing time in their lives, which also, in some of the cases, informed what they did for the rest of their career. So, it, like, yeah, it needs telling. It's, um, it's, a, it's, it's a time of football that no one really knows about. The MLS story has been, has been told. The NASL story has been told. This story hasn't been told, which is both surprising and also maybe why it's such a good challenge because it's a difficult one to tell because you've really got to go through the cracks because not a lot of people remember it, right? And there's a, and that's the challenge. So if we can do it justice and do their stories justice, then that's the reason for doing it. Through your work, you tell the stories of the game and please help others understand what that is. But you're also coming from a perspective of being a Wolverhampton native and it being in your blood in some ways, the family connections to seeing what the old gold have represented around the world and to see it here in America, that's gotta be cool too. Yeah, the, th the thought that Wolves came to, I mean, Wolverhampton in the 60s, it wasn't quite swinging London, you know, that was, London was the epicenter of the world then, right? But it was, it wasn't also, you know, some backwater, but these guys would have been going from a place where pubs closed at, two and didn't open again in the evening you couldn't do anything on a Sunday there was there was opportunity but not but not a lot to come here I just I wish there was more more footage existed of the guys just being themselves in in this place um, and it does mean a lot it this it means a lot to be telling the wolf story I was you know I was born in Wolverhampton born in New Cross Hospital uh, my great-great-uncle won the FA Cup with Wolves in 06-07. He made 300 appearances for Wolves as well, Ted Collins. And he's up there, if you look on Dave Instone's Wolves, uh, Wolves Legends or Wolves Heroes, whatever it's called. Um, he's on there in, like, place 23, I think. 22 or 23. 
so just that and I just think that yeah there is something a bit childlike about this you know I've spent a lot of time at Molyneux and in and around the city and to be able to tell a wolf story that I didn't know about my dad claims he sort of remembers it but when I, when I went and ran it through him with it and he said God can you, can you imagine because he, he would have thought going to somewhere like LA you know he was a normal lad off a of council estate in, in, in Wolverhampton the Warstones and um, the thought of being somewhere like this to watch a different game would have blown his mind so I can only imagine what it did to the players and I, yeah it's, it's great to be able to tell it I already we're still you know we're halfway through the shoot we've got more material to get we've got more interviews to get I'm very keen now to get and start making it and start putting it together because I think like all good documentaries and all good long form storytelling or short form storytelling these are human stories about people and about people who did something that changed their lives in a small or big way and those are the best types of stories and when you talk to the guys and you see the looks on their faces now now you've got to remember it's nearly 60 years on and a lot of it they remember like it was yesterday and and I think that tells you something about what this what this story is and why we want to tell it Wolf Studios, Football Co. and Mundial with a stellar collaboration in sharing this journey. And that same day, we had another conversation with one of the executive producers. All right, we've landed in another part of Los Angeles, and this is really cool. We're inside Lafayette Park, where it's just across the street from where the Wolves stayed in 1967. It was their home as they were here in Los Angeles. It was the Sheridan Wiltshire at the time, the Sheridan West Hotel, another name for it. Now it's the townhouse in Los Angeles and part of the film activities, of course, the Wolves media team and the director of production, Yanni Macarunas, joining us here. Yanni, the last time we talked was in Wolverhampton when we were doing WV1, the series here on Wolves Radio, and we talked about the role of the media team. And in this case, you're here in the United States helping make sure that this story is told and it's shared in a way that's not just reverent to the old gold and all of the cool history that's part of this, but also sharing something that pushes forward our ties to Wolves here in America. Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a, a amazing story, but one that's not been told. I, I think I heard Owen say that to you earlier today, but it's definitely true. There are Wolves fans, you know, avid Wolves fans, super fans that maybe don't remember this story and 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 don't know it happened. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to tell this story in an interesting way. Um, it's not easy because it was a long time ago and things have changed. Like as we're, we're here now, and th- this park has changed since uh, since nineteen sixty seven, but. I think we're going to do a good job. I think Wolves fans will enjoy it. So you're a Wolverhampton native, and to see it here from your perspective, what has that been? I mean, yeah, it's been amazing. I, I, I can't really imagine because 2023 now, we, we, you know, we travel the world and we get to see amazing places. I'm very lucky to be, you know, traveling with the, with the Mundial guys uh, this week and, and seeing LA. It, 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 you still stop yourself and, and have to take it all in, but I imagine it was really, really different for... Phil Parks, Terry Wharton, Jerry Taylor. The guy said it was almost like being on the moon. And uh, I could see that. I could see why that would be a massive change and something they'd never experienced before. One of the Wolves players that the trip to Los Angeles had a tremendous impact upon was Les Wilson, who hailed from North America as a Canadian who made his first team debut with Wolves in 1965. His impact on the sport in Canada after his playing days was certainly felt with the Canadian national team, and this return to North America as a player and a teenager certainly part of the foundation for his success in his career, as he shared with us in the film from his home in the Vancouver area. Here's me, a teenager, being introduced 
to all these movie stars, singers. It was a dream. This story isn't just about the birth of pro soccer in America and how a team from the West Midlands brought glory to Los Angeles. It's the culture of the times with LA luminaries from the entertainment and sports worlds welcoming pros from across the Atlantic into their worlds. And we now know what it's all become. The popularity of the sport in America is noteworthy and two MLS teams in Los Angeles with rabid fan bases speaks for itself. But to look back and see how it all began, that is a whole new story, a story you have to see to believe. You can see the incredible story of LA Wolves available on demand on Discovery Plus. It's also available from the Wolves YouTube channel, Wolves TV. And for supporters based in North America, you can view it on the NBC Sports YouTube channel as well. Wolves Weekly, brought to you by MyDieselClaim.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.